Welcome to the teaching ministry of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Family Church in Ohioville, Pennsylvania. We pray you are challenged in your walk with the Lord through the following teaching. For more information about Christian Assembly Family Church or to subscribe to our free podcasts, please visit us on the web at cafamily.net. If you need a copy of the notes, just kindly raise your hand. Hallelujah. Right here in front, Gary. Anyone else? Just raise your hand. And before we get into the message, I have to share with you that um, it's wonderful when the Holy Spirit brings things and puts things together. The special song that was sung is basically a part of my message here this morning as well as the worship that we just encountered. But the message itself, I have to uh, give credit to my son Dante, who uh, asked me the question just recently, what's my take or my view on the fear of the Lord? And so that prompted uh, me to do a study on the fear of the Lord and, and by the unction of the Holy Spirit to present to you this morning this teaching on walking in the fear of the Lord. So if you got your Bible out there, just hold it high to heaven and say thank you Father for your holy written word it's a lamp to my feet and a light to my path your words are life to me and health to all of my flesh I have what your word says I have I am what your word says I am I can do what your word says I can do Holy Spirit anoint my ears to hear my heart to receive and my mind to be open to the knowledge of the truth that makes me free. Quicken me according to the word. Change me from glory to glory. And I boldly say, I will never ever be the same again. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise God. Have you come to be changed this morning? Praise God. I believe you will. Walking in the fear of the Lord is our title. It came from the text found in Acts chapter 9, verse 31. And that verse reads, Then had the churches rest throughout all Judea and Galilee and Samaria and were edified. And now notice, walking in the fear of the Lord and in the comfort of the Holy Ghost were multiplied. And this was a characteristic of the early churches. They walked in the fear of the Lord. Now W.E. Vine's Expository Dictionary of New Testament Words defines fear, the word phobos in, in the Greek, fear, as being a controlling motive of a life in matters spiritual and moral. And it's maintaining or possessing a wholesome dread of, fear, uh, of disobeying God. In other words, you don't want to disobey God. You don't want to displease God in any way. And that's the motive by which you live your life. In the book of Philippians chapter 2 and verse 12, notice what the Apostle Paul said. And remember who taught the Apostle Paul the gospel? Jesus did. So this is what Jesus taught Paul. Wherefore, my beloved, as you've always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and what? Now notice he adds trembling to it, fear and trembling. And whenever you see this added to it, it really carries more weight. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. And the word actually could be terror. Your own salvation. Now, we know that uh, Jesus 
already finished the work of salvation for us. But now we're called upon to do something that no one else can do for us. No friend can do it. No apostle can do it. No pastor can do it. No teacher can do it. No family member can do it. No parent can do it. No grandparent can do it. This is something that we have to do for ourselves. What is it? Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. In other words, you want to see to it that you have a strong motivation in your heart to obey God and fulfill his will for your life. And that's what he's saying here. Look at the next verse, verse 13, what it says. For it is God which worketh in us both to will and to do of his good pleasure. In other words, he wants his good pleasure accomplished in our lives. Well, for these reasons, it's important that we understand it's our individual duty. As an individual, I have a responsibility to do what? To obey God, to serve him, to work out my own salvation and see to it that I fulfill the purpose that he has for my individual life. Notice this is our duty. In the book of Ecclesiastes, and notice chapter 12, in verses 13 and 14, here Solomon is writing, and when you read these verses, well, let's read them first. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God will bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. Notice what the duty of man is, to fear him and keep his commandments. He's actually saying live your life as a person, preparing himself for eternity and for judgment. For eternity and judgment. Now this is King Solomon speaking, but remember this. Solomon was a handsome, healthy, wealthy, wise man. But in his lifetime, he used all of his possessions to really find the purpose and pleasure of life. He used all that he had, including trying women, trying wine, riches, his wealth. He also built buildings to false idols, entertainment. I mean, the list is a mile long of the things that Solomon engaged himself in. Actually, some people consider whether or not he is truly going to be in heaven when we get there. You say, why do you think that? Well, look in the book of uh, 1 Kings. He concluded that to fear God and keep his commandments was better than anything this life has to offer. But did he take his own advice? Let's read. For it came to pass when Solomon was old. I think he was around 60. that his wife wives 700 wives and 300 concubines turned away his heart after other gods wasn't he told by the Lord that these wives these women from these other nations will turn your heart away from him yeah and his heart was not perfect listen with the Lord his God as was the heart of David his father David was a man after God's own heart but his son Solomon God couldn't say that about let's read on for Solomon went after Ashtoreth the goddess of the Zidodians Zidodians and after Milcom the abomination of the Ammonites 
And Solomon did evil in the sight of the Lord and went not fully after the Lord as David his father. Then did Solomon build in a high place for Chemosh, the abomination of Moab in the hill that is before Jerusalem, and for Moloch, the abomination of the children of Ammon. And likewise did he for all his strange wives which burnt incense and sacrificed unto their gods. And remember, those are infant sacrifices. And the Lord was angry with Solomon because his heart was turned away from the Lord God of Israel, which had appeared unto him twice, two appearances of the living God, and had commanded him concerning this thing that he should not go after other gods, but he kept not that which the Lord commanded. Whew. Pretty strong, wouldn't you say? He got so caught up into things of this world that he absolutely turned away his heart from the Lord. And even though David had his issues, his issues were not like this. And some believe that Solomon, he actually apostatized. Some say he didn't, some say he did. But aren't you glad that God is the righteous judge? But he built all these temples for all these false gods and they worshiped these idols and, and sacrificed infants. God wasn't happy with him. Now, in the book of Romans chapter 3 and verse 13, let's bring it over here in the New Testament. There is no fear of God before their eyes. He's talking about mankind. He's talking about man, the Gentiles before the law. And he's, Paul's using this to enlighten the people of God. To show them certain things. Back then, they had no regard, no respect, no reverence for God's laws or commandments. And basically, they lived without restraint. You've heard the expression, if it feels good, do it. They just lived the way they wanted to live and did what they wanted to do. There were no guidelines. There were no laws. Matter of fact, go to Romans chapter 1. Because to be honest with you, it seems like today the same thing is true. It seems like today no one wants to be governed by the laws of God. And why? Because there's no fear of God before their eyes. Beloved, let me just say this. This is not going to be one of your uplifting, shouted out, praise messages this morning. But it's going to be one of the most fundamental and important messages you're ever going to hear. And inspiring and motivating us to perfect holiness in the fear of God. Because that when they knew God, listen to this, they glorified him not as God. Neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like a corruptible man, and to birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creator more than the creature more than the creator who is blessed forever amen for this cause God gave them up to vile affections for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature and likewise also the men 
leaving the natural use of the woman, burn in their lust one toward another, men with men, working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, God gave them over to a reprobate mind, a very bad place to be in, a mind void of judgment don't even know what's right and wrong to do those things which are not convenient being filled with all unrighteousness fornication wickedness covetousness maliciousness full of envy murder debate deceit malignity whisperers backbiters haters of God despiteful proud boasters inventors of evil things disobedient to parents without understanding covenant breakers without natural affection implacable unmerciful who knowing the judgment of God that they which commit such things are worthy of death not only do the same but have pleasure in them that do them I was a mouthful wouldn't you agree I had someone once asked me why do you say things like homosexuality is an abomination why would you say I said, I never said that well I heard you say that no you didn't hear me say that you heard God say that I'm just repeating what God said. And yet we live in a society right here, right now, today, in which everything is just, whatever you want to do, do it. No restraint. Which is fine. But don't say you can't preach the truth from a pulpit. Because there are those that want to hear the truth. Because there are those that are concerned about their eternity. But you know, I admire the person because when I said, let me show it to you in the Bible, they said, oh my goodness, I never knew that was in there. Read Romans chapter 1. They never knew that was in there. It pays to read your Bible. And find out the laws of God. Now look at Matthew chapter 10. Because if anybody we should listen to. It's Jesus. And beloved. Uh, I appreciate the song you sang this morning. Because this is exactly what you sang. Fear not them which kill the body. But are not able to kill the soul. But rather fear him. Which is able to destroy both soul and body. Where? In hell. So who is Jesus saying to fear? Fear God the Father. Don't fear someone that can destroy your life physically. Because if they take your body, they take your body. But your spirit and soul will go and be with the Lord. But in this verse, this one verse alone reveals to us something. You know those that say when you witness to them and they say, when I die I'm like dust, I'm going to go back to the dust of the earth and that's it, that's the final existence of me. What's true, your body will go back to the dust of the earth. But that verse says there's coming a day when that body will be resurrected and destroyed in the lake of fire. See, the spirit and soul go to this place of suffering for the unsaved. The body that's in the grave is going to also join them someday, the spirit and soul, and be reunited. And it will suffer eternally, eternally, throughout eternity. That's the truth of God's word. Jesus proclaimed it. So what did he say? Don't fear man. Fear God. It's a godly reverential fear. Now, fearing God then includes reverence, awe, and being afraid to displease him. Having a godly reverential fear, a wholesome dread of dishonoring him in any way. Now, why? Why should we walk in the fear of the Lord? Number one, it's a requirement. It's required of all who serve him. Look at Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12. And now Israel, what doth the Lord thy God require of thee everybody say require how many of you drive a car 
How many of you don't have a driver's license? Don't put your hand up. <laughs> Is it required of you to have a driver's license to drive a motor vehicle? Mm-hmm. Okay. How many of you have insurance? How many of you don't? Don't put your hand up. <laughs> Is it required of you to have insurance if you drive a motor vehicle? How many of you pay taxes? How many of you don't? Don't put your hand up. <laughs> Is it required of you to pay taxes? We understand that language, don't we? It is required of those that serve him to fear the Lord your God, to walk in his ways, to love him, to serve the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. Did you hear that? That's a requirement of all of us. Number two, it's the way to serve God acceptably. Look at this in the book of Hebrews in chapter 10, verses 28 and 29. Wherefore, we receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. In other words, we stand in awe of him and we have a wholesome dread of displeasing him in any way. Why? Our God is a consuming fire. But if you back this up to verse 21, let's look at verse 21. When Moses was there on Mount Sinai and he got the law and the earth did quake and there was fire, there was smoke. And I'm telling you, this is, this is the sight of it all. This is what happened with Moses. And so terrible was the sight that Moses said, I exceedingly fear and quake. In other words, fear and tremble. Tremble means to quake. Now, wait a minute. You might be saying, well, if I was there and I saw that, I would be afraid and I would quake too. He goes on to say, you've not come to Sinai. You've come to Mount Zion. Sinai was lesser glory. Zion is greater glory. We've come to the consuming fire of the living God without restraint. The fullness of the glory of God that we serve today. How much more should we tremble and how much more should we quake at his presence? as we daily live our lives motivated with the strong desire to fear him and work out our own salvation through obedience number three because of all the benefits there are too many to enumerate and so I just wrote down three just way way too many the benefits of walking in the fear of the God are absolutely phenomenal but the first one benefit is angelic presence deliverance and protection in the book of Psalms Psalm 34 verse 7 the angel of the Lord encamps around about them that what and delivers them verse 9 there's no want to them that fear him oh fear ye the Lord ye saints for there is no want to them that fear him in Proverbs 10:27, the fear of the Lord prolongs days but the years of the wicked shall be shortened this these are motivations then number four he delights in those that fear him do we want him to delight in us look at Psalm 147 verses 10 and 11 he delights not in the strength of the horse he takes not pleasure in the legs of a man the Lord takes pleasure in them that fear him, in those that hope in his mercy. What's he saying? 
God is not impressed with the strength of a horse that's used in battle. Some trust in chariots, some in horses. He is not impressed with the stature or the strength or the wit or the intelligence or the wealth or the whatever ability a man has. He made the horse and he made man. None of that impresses him whatsoever. But he takes delight in those that fear him. That choose to walk in his ways and honor him. To conduct themselves in the fear of God. Standing in his presence basically with reverence, awe, and holy terror. Because you are the living God. And then number five. And this is so apropos here this morning. Assembled saints. Are we assembled this morning? Are required to do so. You ready for this? I'm going to meddle just a little bit. I'm going to be kind about it. Is that okay? Did you come to learn? Did you come to receive? Did you come to grow? Did you come to develop? Right? I wore my steel-toed shoes before I came because I knew what I was preaching. And so I came well prepared for this. All right? Look at the book of Psalms. 89 and verse 7. God is greatly to be feared in the assembly of the saints and to be had in reverence of all them that are about him. Greatly to be feared? To be held in reverence among the assembly of saints? I just don't believe in so much that's going on that a church service is conducted like a movie theater. I'm sorry. We can eat popcorn at home. We can drink our favorite drink at home. But when we gather like this, you can have your donut in the back. That's great. Enjoy fellowship. But what I love about all of you, there's reverence when we come into this sanctuary. Why? For me? No. For you? No. Because we actually believe that when we assemble together like this, Jesus walks up and down these aisles. The Holy Ghost descends upon us and manifest himself and the glory of the Lord that we sang about here fills the place in other words we take a moment to discipline ourselves to say I'm only focusing on one thing I'm only concentrating on one thing why because when we unite our efforts together in what is called this holy reverence before a, a, a glorious God full of majesty and power it lets him know we want your presence. We want your saving grace. We want your healing virtues to flow like a mighty river here among us as we assemble. Can you say amen? amen. Hallelujah. We want you to inhabit our praises, Lord. Amen. And it's required. He's to be greatly feared. Why? Because there's a greater manifestation of his presence and power when we assemble. I don't know if you tapped into it already, but I did through our worship. Did you tap into it? Did you sense it? Hallelujah. I know I did. Well, now how? 
How do we learn to fear the Lord? Well, since you asked, go to the scriptures. Deuteronomy chapter 31, verse 11. When all Israel is come to appear before the Lord thy God in the place which he shall choose, thou shalt read this law before all Israel in their hearing. Gather the people together, men and women and children and thy stranger that is within thy gates, that they may hear and that they may learn and fear the Lord your God. And observe to do all the words of this law. And that their children which have not known anything. May hear and learn to fear the Lord your God. As long as you live in the land whither you go over Jordan to possess it. So through the scriptures. Through the hearing of the word. We learn the fear of the Lord. That's how we learn to fear God. So that's where it's found. Now let's look in Psalms. 34th Psalm, beginning at verse 11. And let's bear this out. Come ye children, hearken unto me. Who's speaking? David. I will teach you the fear of the Lord. What man is he that desires life? Anybody here desire life? Okay. And loveth many days. That he may see good. Do you like seeing good? Well, he's teaching them the fear of the Lord. Keep thy tongue from evil. Did he have to start there? Did he have to start there? Keep your tongue from evil. So in other words, if I don't do anything about my tongue, I'm not walking in the fear of the Lord. Remember Ecclesiastes chapter 5 says, don't you utter a sound before heaven. Think about that. Then... Your lips from speaking guile. Depart from evil. We are told in 2 Timothy 2.19. That those that name the name of Christ. They depart from iniquity. And do good. Even to your enemy we are told by Jesus. And seek peace with all men. If it's in your power. And pursue it. Go after it. He said this is the fear of the Lord. Seek peace and pursue it. So those are some of the things that constitute the fear of the Lord. Now, David is speaking. Now think about this. David was a skilled musician, wasn't he? He was a statesman, wasn't he? He was a mighty soldier and warrior, wasn't he? He didn't say, come my children and let me teach you how to play the harp. He didn't say, come and let me teach you state policy. He didn't say, children, come, let me teach you the secrets of war. He said, come, children, I want to teach you something that's better than the arts, that's better than the sciences, that's better than the secrets of war, something better than how to use a sword. I want to teach you the fear of the Lord. And so let's start right here. Death and life are in the power of the tongue. Watch your words. Don't speak despairingly of anybody. Depart from evil. Don't hold unforgiveness, animosity. If you really fear God, then these things will manifest in your life. Okay. Then, under, number two. This is, these are certain things to consider with regard to the fear of the Lord. 
How do I learn to fear the Lord? Well, here, consider this, the presence of God. The presence of God. Do you remember when Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up and his train filled the temple? And the angels cried holy. You remember in verse 5 of uh, Isaiah chapter 6 when he said, I am undone. I'm a man of unclean, what? Lips. He knew himself, didn't he? But I want you to notice what caused him to fall to his knees before the presence of God, the glory of God, the brightness of his glory. Now look, he's a whole lot bigger than the Wizard of Oz. And all those that feared him, was he was shorter than I am. The Wizard of Oz, that is. You remember that? But can you imagine having someone pull the curtain that exposes the very presence of the creator of all universe? And there you are in his presence and he looked and saw his presence and what did he do? He bowed his knees and said, woe is unto me. I'm a man of unclean lips. And he heard the angels crying, holy, holy, holy. Whew. We're going to be there one day. And we're going to see him high and lifted up and full of glory. Amen. Number two. His omnipotence. Look at this verse in Jeremiah chapter 5 and verse 22. Fear ye not me, saith the Lord. His omnipotence, you know, is his almighty power, right? Will you not tremble at my presence? Hallelujah. Which have placed the sand for the bound of the sea by a perpetual decree that it cannot pass it and though the waves thereof toss themselves, yet can they not prevail. Though they roar, yet can they not pass over it. Do you know anybody of that nature? Do you know anybody that's that strong? You bring together all the mighty waters of the ocean. And he says, I tell them what to do. And he says, will you not fear me? Who do you fear? What do you fear? If you don't fear me. And so when we get a, just a, a glimpse of his power, his presence, his power, it should produce within us a godly reverential fear. Do you fear dynamite? I would think we would. Do we fear nuclear power? I would think we would. Well, someone is close to us who's more powerful than dynamite and nuclear power and he's the one that has the power to sentence someone either to eternal glory or eternal damnation so who should we fear above all else him can you say amen and then next number three his omnipresence his omnipresence why is that so important to think about well, think about this. When I was working at Tulsa, I worked at one of these convenience stores, the night shift, and then went straight to work in the morning without sleep. And the, this group came in about 2 a.m. And as they came in, I mean, they were just as rowdy as can be. They were cussing up a storm and spewing out all these, these words. I'm just minding my own business, doing my own thing, waiting at the cash register to check them out. When all of a sudden, 
One of them walked over and just looked up at me and said, I don't know what he saw at all. Are you one of those Rama students? I said, yes. I am so sorry for talking like that in front of you. Really? I said, doesn't matter to me. I said, but God's everywhere. I mean, he's everywhere. See, sometimes we forget he's everywhere. Omnipresence. He sees everything. He hears everything. He knows everything. And when we might remind ourselves of that, it'll make a difference in how we walk and how we talk. Because he sees Psalms. It, it says there's some of these psalm, scriptures. I'm not going to bring them all out. You can look them up for yourself. I designed this so that you can take it home and do a study. But you see this in Psalm 139. But now look at the next one. His name. His name. And look at some scriptures that talk about the name of the Lord. In Psalms 111 it talks about how his name is reverend. It's to be revered. But then if you recall this in Acts chapter 19 verse 17. If you recall the story. The seven sons of Sceva. Do you remember the seven sons of Sceva? Bunch of rascals, weren't they? They're going to cast out a devil that this guy has. And so they go over to his house, and they're all proud of who they are, what they're going to do. And they go to his house, and they say, We adjure thee by Jesus Christ, whom Paul preacheth, come out of the man. And the demon inside said, Paul we know. Jesus we know. But who in the world are you? And the demons in the man, the man then proceeded to pounce on them, strip them naked, beat them, and they went running down the street. And verse 17 says, and the name of the Lord was magnified by all. What awesome power is in that name. Hallelujah. And that name is to be reverenced. It's to be honored. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And that's why sometimes when I think about if Christians do that, if you call yourself a Christian and you do that, I'm thinking, for number one, you might, you're not walking in the fear of the Lord. I'll tell you that right now. You realize the Jews wouldn't even say Yahweh? Y-H-W-H. If you look up any articles by Jewish people in Hebrew writings, when it comes to the word God, G-O-D, the, the middle O is left out. It's G blank D. Because it's too holy to utter. Amen? So when we think about this name, we've been called by Christians. Oh, what it represents. Christian. Christ-like. Hallelujah. What a name that we live by. All that you do in word and deed do all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then look at the next one. His judgments. How do I develop the fear of the Lord in my life? Look in the book of Hebrews chapter 10 verses 30 and 31. For we know him that hath said, Vengeance belongeth unto me. I will recompense, saith the Lord, and again, the Lord shall judge his people. It is a fearful thing to fall into the hands of the living God. I believe in the love message. Don't you? I believe God's merciful. But he's also just. And he's also the judge of all things. And he wants us. It is required of us to do what? 
To serve him how? In the fear of the Lord. By keeping his commandments. Working out our own salvation with fear and with trembling. Why? Because he is a holy, righteous God. And you know what? We don't want to be turned over to a reprobate mind. A reprobate mind is a mind that's void of judgment. It's controlled by the flesh. And it's given up by God to think the way they want to think, do what they want to do. Can you imagine God himself appearing to you like he did to Solomon two times and saying, "Uh uh-uh, Solomon, don't do that. A second time, Solomon, I told you not to do that. And yet Solomon just ignores him. He builds temples to idols. These were abominations, it says in Scripture. And the practices of those particular people were absolutely horrific in the eyes of God. Now, in closing, the one who fears God will hate sin. He will depart from evil. Now, notice in your notes that I wrote down these scriptures. We're not going to bring them up, but I, I just wrote them down for you to look at. He delights in God's commandments. That's Psalm 112, verse 1. You can look it up and read it. He will walk uprightly, Proverbs 14 and verse 2. He will practice submission. You ready for this one? Ephesians 5, 21. Listen to what it says. Submit yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Did you hear that expression? Submit yourself one to another in the fear of God. And you know that submission starts with wives, submit yourself to your husbands as unto the Lord. Husbands, love your wives. Children, submit to the authority of your parents that it may be well with you when you live long on the earth. If you work for someone, submit to their leadership. But also if you are an employer, see to it that you treat them with respect and dignity. But altogether, he is saying everyone is to be submissive to the highest power of all. And that is the living God. We're also to submit ourselves to government. And whatever the laws of the land are. Which is why it's so important that we want to have the right laws of the land that we're governed by. We want them to be based on biblical principles. Can you say amen? And that's why it's so important for all of us to recognize something. And, and again, I want to I walk tenderly when I go down this path and I say this out of love in my heart for all of us myself included it's easy to be deceived there is so much teaching out there man once you're saved you're always saved doesn't matter how you live or what you do basically because once you've given your heart to Jesus there's no working out their own salvation with fear and trembling I'll give you a quick example I went to a Bible bookstore one day, I went, and this was in Tulsa, and I went to buy a particular book, and I got it to the, to the counter, and the clerk, who apparently was a Christian, he says, I just want you to know something. I have learned the greatest lesson that I could ever be taught about grace, and I said, well, what's that? He said, it's all about grace. Once you're saved, you're saved by grace through faith. That means no effort on your own, and that's the end of it all. That means no matter what, you're saved, Period. And I said, oh, okay. And I said, well, I'm glad you got this revelation. He said, yeah, so it doesn't matter how I live or what I do. Because my sins have been forgiven past, present, and future. I said, oh, really? He said, yeah. He goes, I can commit adultery if I want to. It doesn't really matter because that sin's already been forgiven. 
I can rob a store if I want to. That doesn't matter because my sin's already been forgiven. So in other words, you can live a life of reckless abandon because you accepted Christ as your Savior. Then all your sins have been forgiven. Yep, he goes, that is the ultimate truth. Whew. I wonder where he goes to church at because I, I, just, I, I just don't understand that. Do you believe that? I don't believe my Bible teaches that at all. I read where people made shipwreck of their faith. I read where a Judas turned his back on the Savior who did all kind of miracles through him when he was here upon the earth. And people want to debate whether they make it or whether they don't make it. It's not, it's not up to us to debate. But it's us to be warned lest the promise left us of entering in any of us should seem to come short of it. Right? Amen. And so walking in the fear of the Lord which I do believe we all have to hear and develop means we submit to the leadership of the Lord. I believe once saved always saved as long as you stay in Jesus. As long as you obey his laws, keep his commandments and statutes and judgment, praise God. Then someone says, now you're talking about works. Paul talked about good works. He said, you've been saved for good works. James talked about good works. Show me your faith without your works. I'll show you my faith by my works. So what we do matters. Can you say amen? It does matter. And then next, be humble. In Romans 11 and verse 20, this is... This is from the English Standard Version. If you have that, you can look it up or go online and look it up. But basically what he is saying is this. If you're walking truly in the fear of the Lord, then remember the Jews, how they were cut off because of unbelief? In that verse, he goes on to say, you stand by faith. By grace are you saved through faith. He said, so what? So be humble and fear God. If they were cut off, don't think you can't be cut off is what he's saying so be humble about it humble we're not saying any of these things to to mislead people or misdirect people we want everyone to know the truth of God's word and develop a godly reverential fear so that we can fear the Lord our God and like I said when I hear about what's going on in so many different churches where it, it almost comes like a movie theater to be entertained for people to be entertained I don't believe we're here to be entertained I believe if we're going to be entertained, it has to be by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I believe that we've assembled here to honor him and hold him in highest esteem with other people of like precious faith and to reverence him and stand in awe of him and give him the due respect that he deserves. That we all bring our gift, our talent, our ability, and we use it to promote his work and his kingdom upon the earth. That's why we assemble together. And then also... Uh, consider Cornelius. Remember Cornelius who was the centurion of the Italian band in Acts chapter 10? It says he was a devout man who feared God. He prayed always. He gave alms. He met other people's needs. But he did that as a devout man who feared God without even being born again. And that's why Peter was sent to his house. God honors those that fear him. And even those who were unsaved, if they feared him, he would send someone to tell them about saving grace. So also in conclusion, look at this verse in 2 Corinthians chapter 7 and verse 1. This is our ultimate goal. And if you read this scripture in the light of the, in context of everything I've said here today, chapter 6 of 2 Corinthians chapter 6 is talking about sexual immorality. You realize that? 
He says the body is not for fornication and the for- fornication is not for the body. Just like food's for the belly and the belly's for food, but the body's not for fornication or any kind of sexual immorality of un- or uncleanness. He says your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost that belongs to God, which you have a God and you're not your own. You've been bought with a price, so glorify God in your body and your spirit, which are God's. Isn't that what he said? I'm not saying this. He said that. I'm just quoting it. And then in chapter 7, verse 1, after saying all that, he says, having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let your neighbor, let your pastor, let your parents, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness. How? If there's no fear of God, there'll be no perfecting of holiness. Another quick example. You try to tell your three-year-old, four-year-old, don't touch that stove, it's hot. Playing around, whatever. Don't touch that stove, it's hot. One day they walk over and touch that stove and their hand goes flying and they start screaming and crying. Guess what? It may not even be hot and they won't touch it. They developed a deep reverence and respect for the fact, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not touching that thing again. Amen? Can you see what I'm talking about? Now, in true conclusion, Revelation 19, 4, let's read the verses. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God and sat on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. Who's among the company that are going to be there? Those that serve him. And those that fear him. I'm not saying we should dread to be in God's presence. But I say we should have some serious respect. Because if you're washed in his blood, your body belongs to him. And what you do with it, think about it. What I do with mine, what you do with yours, should honor him. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Now we're going to have a tongue washing service. No. <laughs> or we're going to be sell- selling great numbers of uh, duct tape in the, <laughs> in the bookstore. Next time you say something like this, I shouldn't say this, but at least weigh it. <laughs> well, if you shouldn't say it, then don't. Do you mind a message like this? Does this challenge you? Does this stir something in you? Do you want to honor Him? Do you want a greater presence of God in your life? Greater power and glory? Every time we gather together, let's all stand in His presence. Hi, Pastor Bill here. I want to thank you for joining us today. On behalf of my wife, Krista, and Krista Selby Church, I want you to know that we're here to serve you and your family. Whether you have young children or kids in elementary school, 
If you're a teenager or a young adult, we have a passion to provide a safe and comfortable environment where you can grow in God and build a solid foundation of His love for you. And with that foundation, we encourage you to take the gospel of Jesus Christ with you wherever you go. It is our heart at Christian Assembly to be an outreach, to be the hand of God toward Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the world. We want to join as the body of Christ to make one last trumpet call before the final trumpet sound and through a life of worship, bring in a harvest of people. With whatever gifts God has given you, we want you to be free to share those gifts and talents. Life is most fulfilled when we share God's love with others. And in all that we do, we want to demonstrate the power of the name of Jesus to the world through a ministry of excellence to God first and then also to you. So whatever the situation, wherever you are, whatever you're going through, I want you to know that we love you and God loves you and has a wonderful plan for your life. And that plan begins by making Jesus the Lord and the Savior of your life. And if you've never made that decision yet, I'd like to invite you to pray a simple prayer with me. And if you will, Jesus will become your Savior and your Lord. Just repeat after me this prayer. Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart. I now accept you and receive you as my personal Savior and Lord. Heavenly Father, I have called on the name of Jesus. I'm now your child. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that prayer with me, I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.